Hmm? Bingo. Bingo. Okay. Yeah, man. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to the Grand Rewatch. No, that's not even it. <laughs> <sighs> Welcome to the Omcast Grand Rewatch. My name is Dom. As one half of the Omcast, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello. So we now live in a world full of sequels, prequels, remakes, and reboots. We understand that sometimes life gets in the way, and you're not always going to be able to catch up before a new one comes out. With that in mind, we're here to provide a weekly retrospective on some of the biggest franchises in cinema history, giving you a full spoiler rundown of each film in a series, including plot summaries, analysis, and behind-the-scenes trivia. This week, in the second episode of our MonsterVerse rewatch, we're watching 2014's Godzilla, directed by Gareth Edwards and starring Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Elizabeth Olsen, Brian Cranston and Ken Watanabe. Woo, 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 woo. I woo. fucking love this film. Godzilla! Woo! Yeah. Woo! This film's fucking great. It is great, isn't it? It's really good. Um, I forgot, because I purposely haven't watched this for, for ages. Yeah. Because I knew the new one was coming out and I knew we'd be doing it for this. Um, and so I haven't, and I forgot, like, watching it now, I'm like, oh, God, I forgot how really good it is, because I think it's got, it's got a bad reputation of being a, like, boring, or, like, not, there's not enough action in it, or whatever, Yeah. and that's how people remember it, and I don't think that's fair. No, I mean, there are some bits in there that are a bit like, okay, but the thing is, what people don't understand is that Godzilla films aren't always just two monsters punching one another no it's, and I think what it get what it does get right and it's really good throughout the whole thing is this like sense of dread yeah and it's like and it's got this sort of serious like oh shit like it has, everything has weight to it it's not just yeah. oh there's gonna be some, some smashy smashy yeah and that's the thing like the, the character the character drama that's in there like honestly I I kick it to pieces in my rundown but at the same time like there is a lot of there's a lot of good in this film. Yeah, I think that I think people ignore because there's less smashy punch monster fight. Yeah, I guess so. But I don't know. It feels like you're never too far away from a monster sequence. No, really. in some way, shape, or form, um, there's always going to be a monster fight yeah. or a monster feature coming up to give you an idea yeah. of the scale. And it just it has that sense of urgency throughout the whole thing that keeps it going. Yeah. And it, yeah. Anyway, before we, uh, yeah, we before we're getting we way on too us. far, let me do my rundown. So, the Philippines. It's 1999. A Ken Watanabe is in a helicopter and arrives at a mining accident where things are a bit fucky. <laughs> Sally Hawkins talks some science about some things in a cave and the camera pans out to see that something massive has crawled out of said cave and into the sea. We then cut to Janjira in Japan and Brian Cranston is telling a man off on the phone. Something happens at the nuclear plant that he works at and despite his advice to shut it down... His pleas are ignored. At this point, we see a harrowing scene where he has to seal his wife in a secure sector to stop the spread of radiation before the whole plant begins. Before the whole plant begins to collapse. It's now 2014, and Ford, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, is at home visiting his sister wife and presumably three-legged son. <laughs> <laughs> They play brother and sister in another film. It, it, yeah, okay, go on. I'm sticking with that. <laughs> the phone rings and so begins a storyline about Ford's father, 
Brian Cranston, investigating radiation and science and things in Japan, which basically leads us to the discovery of another monster which shall be known as Muto. Is it Muto? <clears throat> so I might have gotten a little bit ahead of myself, and Muto is actually an egg at this point. At this point. Uh, but it quickly hatches and kicks off, and some shit goes wrong. Brian dies during all this fuss, and Ken, Sally, and Quicksilver are all really sad. The human embodiment of the, the American military does some regular exposition, then Ken Watanabe and Sally Hawkins do some scientific exposition, including such gold nuggets as, these monsters eat radiation. What, what, what's wrong with that? So much. It absorbs radiation. No, no, they say eat. Yeah, but they're, anyway, they're saying it to make anyway, it... To make, to make, yeah. Anyway, Quicksilver's now in Hawaii, and there's a submarine in the jungle. I know, bear with me. And Muto is here as well. He has a plutonium sandwich, but that's interrupted by army men. Muto does an EMP, causing planes to crash, trains to stop, and other general shenanigans. But before we know it, my lord and saviour, Godzilla, arrives, further proving that he is the planetary equivalent of a Norton antivirus. Before he and Muto have a big old scrap, off screen. So we're about halfway through, which really does seem like a good time to introduce another Muto, and I mean, come on, that's just sloppy writing. Where is Mama Muto's motivation? Where's the character arc? Why did she dramatically change so much? My life is ruined. Anyway, there's now, there's now some more people telling other people, which is us, by the way, about things like where Mama Muto came from. And I'll be honest, I stopped listening for a minute. Anyway, Quicksilver's now on a train with nuclear weapons, which is headed towards his family. He's in peril again, but then survives again. In Oakland, California, Quicksilver's child is stuck in a school bus for dramatic purposes before Godzilla arrives and shit really starts to go down. EMPs happen, planes crash, boats stop, and America willfully fires missiles at a bridge. Minimuto arrives and fucks it up for a bit before giving his girlfriend a nuke which has an analogue timer and can't be EMP'd. There's some more human story where Ford is assigned to defuse the nuke after he parachutes into San Francisco. Next up, giant monster fight, except it's not, because just as they're about to fight, some doors shut and we cut to another scene. <laughs> this would usually bother me, but this next scene in particular is fucking brilliant. With a haunting score punctuated by the harsh breathing through Ford's ventilator over the top, a squadron of soldiers perform a high-altitude jump from a plane, trailing red smoke behind them to indicate their position from one another. From a first-person viewpoint, we truly, truly understand the scale of both Godzilla, Muto, and the destruction of San Francisco. Ford pulls his chute frighteningly close to a wrecked skyscraper, just about manages to land successfully before reconvening with the other surviving soldiers. See, I told you I liked it. At this point, Gareth Edwards' eye for scale is shown as Godzilla and Muto fight, whilst the soldiers attempt to reach the nuke, which they do. Anyway, giant monster fight time. Bite, punch, headbutt, kick, ram. Quicksilver explodes Muto's nest, which gives... Gives Godzilla enough distraction to start wrecking shit and killing both Minnie and Mama Muto before he collapses himself. During this, Quicksilver has saved the day by sending the nuke off to explode at sea. The aftermath shows a devastated San Francisco and the reunion of the Maximoff twins and their genetically inferior child. <laughs> Godzilla awakens after his power nap, has a little roar, and heads out to sea, presumably righting wrongs as he does so. The end. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I feel like we unfairly give that kid a lot of shit. Yeah. But at the same time, it's funny because he's inbred. <laughs> yeah, so what we're getting at is, obviously, within the space of two years, this came out, 
um, in 2014. And then in 2015, we had the second Avengers movie, Avengers Age of Ultron, yeah. where Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron Taylor-Johnson played the Maxwell twins. So yeah. they're brother and sister in that film. And in this film, they're husband, husband and wife. wife. And it's just a little bit disconcerting. It's just low-hanging it's fruit, just, really. It's, it's an easy yeah, joke. It's, it's an easy joke. Um, yeah. And I think, I forgive me if I'm wrong, but I believe in the comics there's some weird shit goes on between those two. Uh, n- yes and no. So in the mainstream sort of 616 universe, it, they're just brother and sister. Yeah. They're just very close. In the ultimate universe, which is known for quickly running out of steam and... Um, sadly becoming a bit of a car wreck with a lot of the stuff they did in there. Mm. There's a story called Who Killed the Scarlet Witch, where it's revealed that uh, Wanda and Pietro are having an incestuous relationship. Anyway, let's talk about Godzilla. Yeah. So, yeah, this is very much like... It's a throwback and it's a reactionary thing, I think, because obviously the last time there was an American remake or an American Hollywood version of Godzilla... It was the Royal Nemeric movie. The 1998 TriStar yeah. version. So that fucking travesty. So this is very much a reaction to that, and they go out of their way to make it more like the old Japanese original, yeah. in terms of the allegories, the lots of men talking in rooms, lots of, you know, lots of science, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff, which wasn't there in that 98 version. In 98, no. it was just wrecking shit. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like I, don't, I wouldn't discredit 1998's Godzilla too much it's very much of the time and a lot of people really really liked it including myself yeah there's a lot of really stupid shit that happens in it yeah but at the same time you do still get a lot of the sense of peril that's in it the fact that it's in manhattan makes it slightly awkward because you're like this is a giant monster in a very small island yeah where is he he's underwater it's not that deep yeah (laughs) he's in the hudson yeah Yeah, but the Hudson's just a river. <laughs> like San Francisco Bay makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Um, although I don't think San Francisco Bay is quite as big as they think it is because they do blow a new cup in yeah. San Francisco Bay um, on a little, like, tiny little pit. Like, like yeah, it, on a whale watching it's boat. It's a little whale watching boat which can presumably move at, like, zero noughts an hour. And somehow that's able to get far enough away from the city to yeah. not just vaporise the city. And they make a point of saying how powerful the nuke is as well, because they're saying that, like, again, part of the lore of this universe, and it is something that they touch on in uh, Kong, is the whole thing about the nuclear test in the 50s being something that was trying to kill Godzilla. Yeah. And we, they show that at the beginning of this movie. And then the guy at one point says that, oh, no, the nuke that we tried to kill him in the 50s, well, it was like a firecracker compared to this thing that we we're about to set off. Yeah. And they go, okay, so then you're going to sail it five minutes away from downtown San Francisco and blow it up. Can we talk about that for a minute? So I feel like that probably caused a lot more damage than any of the monsters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the, like, I always say about like the fallout of sort of films when people don't realise about stuff, like, like when a building collapses, all the dust that comes up from concrete is incredibly toxic mm. and um, can actually cause quite serious problems. Yeah. Um, but like in this, I'm assuming about probably 50 or 60% of the population in San Francisco are going to be horribly ill in about 10 or 12 years. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because they, what I will say is that is something that it does achieve quite well, is that getting that ground level perspective. Yeah. And there is a lot of dust and a lot of smoke and as a result of that, I think a lot of people, another complaint there is leveled at this movie is you can't see what's going on. Yeah. 
but that's because they're trying to commit to an aesthetic that is as realistic as they could possibly make it. Yeah. So I can't really fault them for that. No, I mean, the thing is, it's... I would say that part of the issue that I had is that like, you can't watch this film in, with any sort of daylight around. No. Uh, it, it just it becomes incomprehensible after a certain point. Yeah. But I think it works to a great extent if you are in a very dark room yeah. watching it. Well, but the cinema it does is, make it really tricky. It's made for the cinema. Yeah. You should watch it at, like, we... I'm really very jealous of you having seen this at the IMAX. Yeah. Because ne- I've never seen it in the cinema. It's... I've only ever seen it on home release because it was during the year of the gas leak when I was travelling. Yeah. Uh, uh, travelling. Yeah. It's so cool. Um, well, sorry, I was away. What do you want me to do? I'm sorry, I was travelling. It was spiritual. It was very spiritual. <laughs> um, anyway, we're talking about a monster film. Um... But yeah, it's um, it worked to amazing effect. Yeah. Seeing it in IMAX, I still remember it now. There yeah. are scenes that literally gave me tingles when I saw it. Being a fan of Godzilla and sort of kaiju movies, and seeing it in an IMAX setting mm. just blew my tiny mind. Yeah. And we're going to go see King of the Monsters next week in the IMAX. Yes, we are. And I'm really excited for it. It's going to be amazing. Yes, we are. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's part of the... Um, part of the thing and again like I say it, we've already talked about Kong and I feel like there are certain elements of Kong that are a reaction to this again mm-hmm. like we talked about like in that one there's a lot more action in terms of the monster action anyway for a start Yeah, and it's a lot more front loaded it's not saved for the end like this one saves yeah. it all for the end and it keeps teasing you like like you've mentioned like there's the one where they're about to face off at the airport in um, Hawaii and then it cuts away yeah and like watching this stuff like behind the scenes stuff like Gareth Edwards loves doing that so you said that that's my favorite part of the whole movie because he just loves it's like it's like it's teasing out expectations, but then I think a lot of people could even read into it and say it's like trolling the audience. I wouldn't say it's trolling. I would say that it's it's building that sort of anticipation yeah. because the payoff that you do get later on is worth is it. so much more worth it. Yeah, rather than just a little bit of punchy punchy, throw it around. Yeah, and I think. The problem with the Godzilla and these monsters in particular, when comparing them to the fights in Kong, is that because of the nature of what they are, they, the fights can't be quite as dynamic. They are no. slow and lumbering, and yeah. sort of, and everything has to be quite deliberate. And they get some good like moments in there, like mm-hmm. you know he swats in with his tail and that kind of stuff. But a lot of it is grappling and sort of and like hitting each other. Whereas with Kong, it's like it's faster, it's more kinetic, it's more you know he can do yeah. stuff like strip the tree down and do that kind of yeah. so it's a different style of fighting which means that yeah you can you have to film it in a different way yeah i say film it obviously you know depict it in a different way because yeah. everything's cgi um but still I, I think i think the scenes that when godzilla is fighting both mutos at the same time is really effective because there are parts where you're like i don't know how it's going to get out of this yeah i don't know how he's going to win yeah and even watching it again, I'm like, oh, fuck, how does he get out of this? Yeah, yeah. And like, I forget every time I see this film, because it, it's not a particularly cerebral film. But what it is, is it's good fun. It's a giant monster fighting two giant monsters. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, there is definitely a sense of fun about it, but it's not as throwaway, fun, popcorn-y as, like, yeah. as Kong. It, is, no, it has got, got more substance. It has it. got a bit more substance to it. I think there's like there's the whole thing about... When the when the military come up with this plan about detonating a nuke, yeah, 
but then I think that although it's laughable and it's sort of and it's silly, it's like Ken Watanabe's character is like begging him not to do it. Yeah. And he then uh, there's that moment where he gives out his father's pocket watch, yeah. which stopped the minute that the bomb yeah. went off in Hiroshima, and that then links it all the way back to the original beginning, you know, beginnings of Godzilla, because Godzilla, the first one, the 1954 version, was made as an allegory about the nuke yeah. and and Japan's dealing with it. So, you know, they had to make it this, you know, analogy and have it be about radio- radiation, the mm-hmm. radiation and nuclear physics and stuff was always has always been a part of it. And they make that a massive point in this movie. And then, yeah, the minute they're confronted with the idea of, oh, let's de- let's detonate a nuke and near a city, mm-hmm. that becomes, again, it adds an extra level of sort of pathos to it it's that little bit of like seriousness and everyone's like shit should we do that and uh, like yeah. do you know what I mean which th- that's missing from Kong Kong is just everything's isolated on an island we can blow yeah. up anything we want shoot everything blow up the monkey yeah because uh, this is let set the monkey in the, and the lizard fight because this is set in the real world and they make that point over like I think the the, um, the sequence on Hawaii in Honolulu is really effective mm-hmm. for that as well with the tsunami yeah. That feels really real. Yeah. But really and, real. And, and that's one of the things that I liked about this film was that it showed... It had a lot more symbolism to it and a little bit more depth mm. than Kong did. I liked both films. Yeah. I really do. But they are two very different beasts, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Godzilla specifically addresses a lot of circumstances, like you say, about the the radioactive generation yeah and the power of sort of nature and yeah. how godzilla is you know considered i don't know whether it's he considers earth his territory or what he's there for but he they explain it that he comes out to take these things down yeah when I mean, necessary that's that's one thing i would say to like i wish they'd explore more i hope they will do later because we know um, Cam Watanabe's character is going to be in the next one, mm-hmm. but he's got this whole th- throughout this whole movie. He keeps going banging on about oh, he's here to redress the balance. He's here to sort it out. He's he's hunting. He's going to sort it all out for us. He's he's here to protect us. And it's yeah. like, what are you basing that on? Other than it's like he's fanboying about yeah. like, how much he loves Godzilla. And it's like you're not basing that off of, off of anything. And this idea of Godzilla as the hero and the others as the bad guys yeah. is just something you're projecting onto it. Like, well, it's not because like everything that happens supports his thesis but his thesis is just based on nothing he just yeah like, exactly i think yeah. we do need to take sort of a little step back to understand where all this sort of frame of reference is coming from yeah um but again he's from monarch who have been studying yeah. this stuff for ages they even like the mutos the name muto is a is a um anagram and it's massive massive unidentified terrestrial organism. Yeah. But that is something, even John Goodman says that in Kong. Mm-hmm. He says, oh, I've come from an organisation called Monarch. We specialise in the hunt for massive unidentified terrestrial organisms. So that's the thing with these Mutos, that although they're not, there's no, I don't think there's a Muto creature with that name in the previous, in the whole, in the old Toto, Toto? Toho series. No, is there. there's not. So that they basically created that for this movie, so mm-hmm. that there can be, and it's very similar in a sense to Kong. They are like the skull crawlers. They're just these monsters that exist just so that he has something to fight, and we can yeah. show him in a heroic light. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, one of the things that 
I can glean from the trailer is that they're probably not going to be called Mutos anymore. They're called no. Titans now. Well, now it's not even that they're t- I think, yeah, they, they can do that and call them Titans, but I think it's the case of now each one of them has a name and a legend surrounding them. Yeah. So there was like Mothra and there was a temple of the moth and there's that and the whole thing about it. And there's like, I think, I feel like if there was ever one that came up that was unidentified, mm-hmm. is that key that the U of the acronym is unidentified. If there was one that just turned up and they didn't have any sort of frame of reference for it, they would probably call it a Muto again. Yeah. But I think with these, it's a case of, well, no, we know this Rodan, it's King Ghidorah, we know that based on all the, you know, all the mythology surrounding them yeah. that's gone back years and years. Well, that's the thing, like watching this for the first time, I was like, oh shit, they're doing Rodan. Yeah. Because the, the Muto, the flying Muto that we get from this isn't massively dissimilar. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, they're taking some sort of artistic liberties with it. And then when I heard about King of the Monsters, and they're like, no, they're going to do Rodan, Ghidorah, and Mothra. Mm. I'm like, oh, hey, cool, that's pretty good. Oh, man, I can't do it. Don't know. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Yeah, like, um, I'm just super excited for it, man. I mean, there isn't, like, tons to say about this. I think the score is amazing. The score is great. It's that old constantly feels this like there's always as 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 a big fan of horror as well that there is like a lot of sort of sort of choral sort of voice work in this, which is quite tense, especially as I said in the rundown the the sequence where they're jumping yeah. out of the plane. The yeah, Halo that's jump. unbelievable. That sequence on so many levels. It's just it just feels like there's just constant screaming or wailing there, as well as the sort of like I say the punctuation of Ford's breathing in the respirator as he's like zipping past Godzilla, and you see how fast he's falling. But when he goes past Godzilla, you see how slow he's going because Godzilla's so big. Yeah, and it's this weird sort of parallax effect that you would get by going past something that big we're going something so fast it makes you feel like you're going slower mm. and it's like yeah but like the score and the cinematography all work perfectly together yeah and whilst yeah some of the writing's a little bit a bit lumpy in places and some of the dialogue's a bit hammy it's a fucking great film yeah and the other thing I think we haven't sort of mentioned is that there's a lot there's a lot less human characters in this but I think the ones they do have are really good and we haven't even talked about Brian Cranston yet. No, Brian Cranston is is in the first forty minutes. Yeah, about half an hour. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's it feels short, but I feel like he might be in it for more than we think. Yeah. But anyway, he's in and he's amazing. Like that that dude, honestly, is unbelievable. Just yeah. like he's just one of those. He's a bit like Peter, Peter Dinklage. He just turns up and elevates every scene that he's in. Yeah. to like another whole another level. Yeah, and, and I think it was really good that they did they brought in somebody with that caliber yeah to a film like this because i mean because that he's in the first part of the movie and then he then gives it that weight going forward yeah is that because he takes it so seriously and he's that and he's that emotional about it and emotionally invested in it after the whole sequence with his wife at the very mm-hmm. beginning it means that then that is then carried forward into the rest of the movie and you have that same right. Well, you know there are going to be hundreds of people out there who are going to have similar stories. Yeah, who are going to lose loved ones and all the rest of it as a result of this. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just destructions for the sake of destruction. There's real people in the middle of it all. Yeah, um, and that yeah he he grounds that and mostly because his performance is just uh, so good. <laughs> just the, there's the bit where he's like he's ranting and raving at one of the um, 
security guards, and he's not even talking to anyone. He's just talking to a two-way mirror. He's just absolutely killing yeah, it. <laughs> but it's like in that scene, he's he seamlessly goes from English to Japanese back again, just yelling at people and like being really impassioned about. I want to see my son. Yeah, and you're like, fuck, this is good. I do think that you know, obviously, we are doing full spoilers. When he dies off, it is important to the film for him to yeah. do it at that point because to have him and Ken Watanabe and general army guy uh, or navy guy sorry being in there all delivering this like really heavy dialogue really super serious yeah. it would come across as really ham-fisted it would be too much wouldn't it I think but I, I, feel, feel, I feel like having even... somebody with sort of the stoicism of sort of Aaron Johnson mm really does sort of carry it because it, you know I gave him a lot of shit in the rundown but and I talk about him on other things but he's really good at emoting quietly yeah especially in these films or this film in particular shall I say um but yeah and it's mm. yeah there are bits that are like oh no he's in peril again oh he's all right he's still trying to get into his family oh no he's in peril again no oh, no he's all right he's still trying to get to his family oh no he's in peril again no oh, no he's all right he's still trying to get to his family yeah but it works well in yeah. this context because, like you say, the, there is this constant sort of feeling of dread throughout. You're like, oh, where he made it through the last of he's probably, oh, fuck, he's not going to yeah. make it through. But they just got this, yeah, it's, it's this constant thing of it's ticking bomb. Yeah. It's like, the, and the, the whole idea of them, these monsters are moving in a certain direction and we can't stop them. No. We can't, stopping them is not an option. We've just got to follow them, contain it, and then we've got to come up with some sort of. Mm-hmm. So it's constantly like, just the whole movie is almost like a chase movie. Once it kicks off from the point where the first Muto breaks out of the cocoon, mm-hmm. then it's like, right, we're playing catch up for the whole rest of the thing. Yeah. And it gives it that sense of like forward momentum. That means that even though there are long se- you know, there are sequences where you don't see Godzilla or whatever, or you're waiting to see Godzilla, you never feel like unengaged. You feel like con- you're constantly moving towards something. Yeah. Um, which I think, yeah, it's probably. Or running some- from it. Is- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so good. It is really good. And uh, and to be honest, there isn't really tons to get into because no, I mean, yeah, like the said, story's the... fairly linear. There aren't any sort of particular there aren't any subplots. No, I think the subplots and stuff in terms of like it's all the monarch stuff, but and it's but they're quite light on it in this yeah. one like in terms of I think it like we talked about before with the monsters by creating these monsters, they they've done a good job because they've allowed themselves to set up the world and set up all the rules yeah and go right these are the monsters the whole idea of them feeding off radiation means that it can then go back to the same old allegories and all the stuff to do with godzilla but then in this light he's now a hero yeah so they can do that it means they don't have to like they can save the the more headliner monsters like your yeah, rodans and all the rest of it for later movies yeah which they now are able to do because they did this one so well and it established such a good foundation. Um, I think it's good that it's been such a long time since this came out. It was 2014 mm-hmm. this came yeah. out. So, you know, it's five years. Yeah, well, that's... So 2014 is the 60th anniversary of Godzilla. Yeah. So this will be the 65th. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so, But I feel that that's good. Like, I think this... Another sort of big positive for this franchise is that they've they've taken their time to do each one mm-hmm. and let each one be its own thing 
and but they are moving toward again they're moving towards something we know that the next one that's going to come out next year is Godzilla versus Kong yeah so I feel like although we haven't had a Godzilla movie for five years there's going to be a new Godzilla movie and then there's going to be another one next year because yeah. they've they've been getting all their ducks in a row and getting it right rather yeah. than just churning something out and because they have to have a tentpole release by the end of the year and letting another director come in halfway through and make his own movie oh god oh god that re- that happens so quickly like you're right, mate. Sorry, I, I just got sad for a minute. Um, <laughs> for anyone that missed that, that that was that was a seamless breakdown from somebody talking about a film series that he loved to literally having a breakdown. We've had to pause this for forty minutes whilst Dom cried. I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, ooh, 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 sir, ooh, sir. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I mean, yeah, Godzilla. Why else is that? Let them fight. Oh, what? It sounded really ominous. What? You said let them fight, and then I put it down, and the boom arm vibrated on the mic. Nice. Let them, let them fight. Like, can you not let them fight away from the civilian population, though? No, nah, they can't can. do anything, can they? Well, that's the thing. Again, it's the, the sort of the extra added layer of symbolism about the tsunami is that you just can't stop a force of nature. Yeah. You have to let it blow through. You have to let it reach its sort of apex and go from there. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I'm really excited for in the sequel as well, too, because Kong was very... It, first of all, it was in the 70s, so it was like, you know, it was, it was removed from us as an audience, but in terms of the actual plot of the movie, it was all set on this island, and it was removed from the world at large, yeah. whereas this happened in the world, and they make a very big point of showing lots of news footage yeah. So like, it's the cat's out of the bag. Everyone knows about it. It's in a downtown area. We have like news helicopter footage of Godzilla in broad daylight, yeah. walking and then you know going back into the water at the end of the movie. So it's like right. Well, now any sequels that you do that are set after this have to exist in a world where everyone knows about these things. And yeah. there's a, there'll be like a paranoia about it or a fear about it. Or what's the government doing about it? Yeah. Why don't we know about it? Is there you know? It, what efforts can we do to rebuild? Has there been, yeah, rebuilding? Like, are they going to talk about the nuclear fallout from the bloody bomb that yeah. exploded in the bay? Are they going to talk about, yeah, what well, I mean, are they going to be, because that's the other weird thing that I get. It was only in a very, very brief thing right at the very end where as Godzilla gets up and starts walking away, people are cheering him. Yeah. And that, and then I the don't... news report is like, King of Monsters, Savior of Man. And you're like, um, well. Like you don't know I anything. I get that because, like, I've seen the narrative of this. I've seen the film. Ken Watanabe has kept telling me that throughout the whole movie. Yeah, he's exactly. hunting. He's here to restore balance. Yeah. How do you know that? Because I'm a fan. I yeah. like... Well, speaking of which, like, as a slight aside, um, in the script, Ken Watanabe was originally instructed to say Godzilla. Yeah. And he insisted that it be Gojira. Yeah. So, which is a cool touch. That is cool. That is cool, yeah. I think he, he has a respect for... That's the thing. Yeah. I feel like everyone involved in this, including Gareth Edwards and all that, they have a respect for the source material. Yeah. Which I think that was what was missing from the 98 version. Yeah. It was like... Because a lot of the, the 98 version, like the, the proper... Like the Japanese fans and the and the Toho fans and all that, don't... They hate that movie because of like the design of Godzilla for a start. Yeah, the design... And that's the thing, like... And they call it Godzilla in name only. That's yeah, what yeah. they refer to that movie as. They just think it's yeah. just... 
Well, exactly, and that's the thing. Like, and then because Toho do do put out a lot of other things. So the Shin Godzilla, which came out, which is sort of a real sort of modern successor to the original. Yeah. Sort of not because it's not part of the official canon or law. No. But it is like a new version of looking at it, and it's very much a sort of reactive take of. Um, as the originals were, sort of Japanese bureaucracy getting in the way of being able to actually do something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the the 98 Godzilla, I think, yeah, diehard fans do hate it. And there was a part of me that was like, this is fucking stupid. But then at the same time, there's a part of me that was like, yeah, this is really fun. I think, isn't there, I can't I've got, I look back on it with quite a lot of nostalgia. I think, didn't we put it, didn't I put it we, on once? We then? watched, well, we, so before we, <laughs> so to shine a little light on our history, <clears throat> before we started recording the Grand Rewatch, we just did Grand Rewatches anyway. Yeah. We did this, we did this anyway, we did this week on week, year on year, <laughs> since we've been friends. Yeah. Which I think the culmination at the point of us realising that we should just get our asses in gear and record was after we did the grand rewatch of leading up to Infinity War last year. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. we were like, we have diligently stuck to this every week and every day to make sure we've watched the right thing on the right date leading up to this point. And we've done this together. We've spoken about it. We've cancelled other plans. I've, you know, we shifted around dates. Or we've like, sometimes I think we we were separate. And we were like, right, don't forget, you've got to watch like yeah. Thor 2 this week. Yeah. I'm away, but that's why I'm, I've got, I've taken my DVD with me wherever yeah. I'm going so that I can watch it or I've downloaded it so I yeah. can watch it at some point on the train or whatever. So we made sure that we were, we were in sync for however long that took. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that's, and th- that's the thing. It was like, we were doing this anyway. So when we, when we so when it must be around when Kong came out. Well, it was when Skull Island came out. So we watched 1998 Godzilla, <laughs> and then we watched 2014, and then we watched Kong Skull Island. <laughs> and I've even got it in my diary because we've spoken about it. like um, I put all of our recordings in a diary that I keep because I'm cool. And um, Godzilla 98 is in there because I was like, oh, we'll watch that on the Friday, and then 2014 on the Saturday, and then we didn't because other things have come up, but. Um, but yeah, that's that's shining a little light on our history. Yeah, put that on biography.com fans. Readers. That's, that's on our Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, we have people that are motivated enough to make that for us. Oh yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, this is far superior to the '98 version in my mind. I know what you mean about the nostalgia of it, mm-hmm. but it's just you roll your eyes at the '98 version now. It's just yeah. a bit silly. But to um, be fair, like you go back and look at a lot of like Emmerich sort of films and sort of 98 era films a yeah. lot of these things you sort of look back and you're like these are really cool no they're dumb as fuck like we had a similar thing with um, Independence Day yeah Independence Day is just it's great for nostalgia but not a lot else no like, it's like, like Jeff, Go- Jeff Goldblum's in it just just swaggering around with the biggest dick in Hollywood <laughs> being cold as fuck Will Smith is also in it and you know Bill one of the Bills is in it as the president and but the dialogue is appalling. The oh, yeah. action's great. None of it makes sense. But we still had a fucking great time. Yeah. And at that point, we were doing the grand rewatch, and we did Resurgence, which is one of the worst things I think I've ever seen. Resurgence keeps me up at night. <laughs> you know, I watched Resur- we watched Resurgence together. If you held me at gunpoint, I couldn't tell you anything that happened in that film. I think there's, a- yeah, not a single thing. No. I think, wait, I think wait, did, Brent Spiner comes back 
And at the end of the film, they go after the aliens. They, no, they make a point of saying, let's kick some alien ass. And then it ends. I think that's the final line of the movie. Okay. But that's probably all I can tell you about this. Yeah. I don't know why we're talking about alien resurgence. We're talking Don't about know. Godzilla. But yeah, but we're saying about the like film films of that era. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, this is better. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's In a lot, lot better. It's a lot more respectful of the original material. It's got a lot more heart to it. It's got a lot more to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, true. I just hope that much as we're really excited about the new one, I'm hoping that it doesn't lose that part of it yeah I'm hoping that they manage to keep it so, somewhat character focused despite the fact there's going to be a shitload of you know monsters and stuff because they react. there's going to be a certain amount of it is reacting to the fact that people said oh but there, weren't, there wasn't enough action in 2014 yeah so they're going to remedy that by putting a shitload of monsters in there and there's going to be multiple fights throughout the movie I can imagine yeah but I hope that that, that is not at the detriment of what they did sell with this one which is a more grounded, character-driven story. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that'll be in there. I think my sort of prediction is that because I meant that uh, in one of the trailers that I've seen, they mentioned. I think it was the final, the big IMAX trailer yeah. that they did. They mentioned about there's an alpha to these monsters, yeah. and it's it'll probably be Godzilla going out and fighting these things and becoming the alpha. Yeah. Until he eventually faces down Ghidorah, and at some point, some of these others will sort of rally behind him. So I presume Mothra will get behind Godzilla. Mothra is sort of traditionally a good guy, really, isn't it? Yes. Uh, well, they've, well, they've teamed up before, though. They have teamed up before, more so than say Rodan or. Yeah. So they have teamed up before, but Mothra also has like an evil side. Yeah. That's not just a force of nature, but is a specifically an evil part of Mothra. So, um, yeah, so I don't know if they'll address that in this one or further down the line or mm. whatever. But I basically think it'll be the humans rallying around to try and support Godzilla against this eventual battle with King Ghidorah to become the Alpha and move on from there. Mm. And I think Monarch will, it will find out that Monarch has got Kong locked away somewhere. Maybe. And he gets out and then Godzilla and he fight. Do you reckon, yeah, there'll be some sort of lead into that straight away. Do you reckon? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I think that's kind of how that's going to pan out. But we'll see you next week. Yeah, and I think we've, um, it's clear that we've come to the end of Godzilla because we've spoken about a lot of other things. Yeah, we've gone off on some tangents. We'll maybe cut some of them out. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining us again for this one. Um, yeah. Like I said, we're going to be talking about Godzilla King of the Monsters next week. Um, and what that means is that there's going to be a lot more lore, there's going to be a lot more monsters to talk about and how well they're done, how mm-hmm. not well they're done, or whatever. Um, so we'll, we're going to dig deep into that next week. Um, so if you do have the opportunity to watch any of these, I would definitely recommend watching the two that we've watched. Yes. Um, but if you are in any way a Godzilla or Kong, Kong fan, then maybe go out and watch a couple of the old school Godzilla ones, maybe? Mm-hmm. No? I wouldn't start with them. <laughs> okay, well, just, all right, forget that then. Just watch these. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say if you're going to do this, because they are so vastly different that without having an appreciation of it and an understanding of seeing them way back when, hmm. sort of in the 80s and early 90s, we've progressed so far in film now that it is going to look quite laughable. Yeah, true. 
um, especially compared to the scale that we've got in both these films that we've seen so far and what we're getting next week. Mm. Um, but yeah, go for it if you're really that brave. Yeah. And let us know, actually. Let us know if you watch any. In an ideal world, we would have gone back and watched some more. Um, oh, dozens. But yeah, maybe just like select a few. Like, yeah. like before, because I know that obviously we keep talking the King Kong versus Godzilla is happening next year. There has been a King Kong versus Godzilla movie made. Mm-hmm. I do want to watch that. Yeah, we will. Before the new one comes out. Oh, we're going to watch it. So that's the kind of thing we'll do. Again, if we'd had more time this time, we would have gone back and like, because this is exactly the kind of thing that we do. We could do on the ground rewatch where we see lots of iterations of the same character. Mm-hmm. And what's better, what's changed, why they, why they changed over the years, what's it in reaction to, all that sort of stuff. But unfortunately, given the schedule that we're on at the moment, the amount of movies that are coming yeah. out every week, we haven't had a chance. We've had to talk about... Uh, Pikachu we've had to talk about John Wick um, and then yeah so now we, we've just been able to squeeze in these two Monsterverse movies um, which are actually part of this particular version this canon that they've set up over the last few movies Yeah. Um, but yeah if you do go out and watch any of the old ones if you have any thoughts on them let us know um, you can find us at the Oncast pod on Gmail mm-hmm. uh, is our email address um, you can find us on Twitter at the Oncast you can find us on Facebook the Oncast and on Instagram. Instagram, we're the Omcast. Anywhere you go, you can find us on the Omcast. Um, if you want to get in touch or tell us about your experiences with these movies, let us know. Um, other than that, we'll see you next week yep. and talk about the next one. Yeah, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Anyway, Giant Monster, fight time. Big pie. <laughs> Big pie. Big pie. <laughs>